Good evening, everybody. We are here. What's it, Pastor Vijay? Ninety eighth, ninety eighth session of our Q and A, and uh, we also would like to tell you that our Christmas is also a Saturday. Can you hear me? Yeah. It's also a Saturday, and uh, we will have Q and A. Hallelujah. Okay, mm-hmm. we will have Q and A. Uh, Justin, Abigail, and me apologize. Okay, but I'll hold your father back for a couple of hours and then I will release him back to you. Hallelujah. Okay, and all those who are free, anyway, you are free. One side of the globe, it's Christmas morning, early morning, the other side, or oh, 24th night, the rest of us are free, whichever way it is. We will have Q&A. And then, the first, right? Or 31st? 31st is, uh, yeah, first, first is a Saturday. Saturday. Second is Sunday. So first also we will have our hundredth Q&A. Q&A. We, we're just kidding to imitate American ministries. We'll give you a plastic cup with hundred on it if you send a donation. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Freely we have received. Freely we give. We don't sell anything from the website. <laughs> but. Our hundred, and I apologize in the morning. I forgot. I actually because I was so tuned in with the word the Lord was giving me. But my sister, I know you're watching. Happy birthday! Today is my elder sister Sibby's birthday, and you all know her. So wish her once again. Because I don't want to tell her age, but it's a very important number. Okay, she's turned sixty today. So it's a big day. Okay. And wish you happy birthday. And now we shall get into uh, the Q&A. Pastor Vidya, lead us in prayer. <laughs> Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again for this day. Lord, we just, just are overwhelmed by your goodness and your mercy over our lives. That you continue to speak to us, O Lord. That we are still here, Lord, under your teaching that you are, Lord. Father, through your Holy Spirit and Lord, through your word. Showing us, changing us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And even as, Father, we, uh, go through this time of uh, Q&A, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint your servant and all of us. Even as we hear, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would make every answer relevant to each and every situation that we are going through. You are able to do it, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all these questions. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of the Living God will take over even now. And Lord, in through everything that we do, your name and your name alone will be glorified and magnified. That in all things, Christ will have the preeminence. We thank you. To that end, I pray that you would bless this time. Thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's a chai, man. But it's okay. It's okay. Just leave it there. Okay. And tell them. If yeah, you can hear it. me, leave it there. It's leave okay. it. Leave it outside. It's okay. Okay. You're late. Thank you. Okay. We'll start with the first question. This is question number 17. <clears throat> Um, it says, uh, why is it that some of us get the Holy Spirit? Question number 17. 17. 17. Yeah. 17. 17. Question. This is not uh, today's question. This is somebody. uh, Previous week. We are going to this week's. Yeah, Pastor Vijay, you can yeah. read it. It's, why is it that some of us get the gift of the Holy Spirit? Some have asked for years and never get it. Does it have to do with unbelief? Or are we riddled with sinning day in and day out? And that his, that his, that, and that the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in anything unclean? Okay. 
first uh, got it the question so why is it that some of us yeah get the get first the... thing is that every if you go to romans chapter 1 and verse 17 okay romans chapter 1 and verse 17 not ashamed gospel is a power of god unto salvation and it's okay. for righteous held by faith from here yeah, yeah. for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith as it is written that just shall live by faith it's just not receiving the baptism of the holy spirit anything connected with god there's only one way to appropriate it it is by faith hmm. there's no other way it's by faith and often like we heard today morning and we heard last this week also in everything either our feelings or our intellect becomes a block and for many in receiving the baptism of the holy spirit often the block is their intellect hmm. they get their intellect because you realize you see uh just check you know just just some here somebody at the door sorry and uh, if it is a tea just tell them to take it back say it's late Okay, we cannot disrupt the meeting. Yeah. Okay. And uh the thing is okay, what happens is please uh faith and intellect do not most of the time they do not agree. Hmm. Because in 2 Corinthians 5:7 the word of god says we walk by faith and not by and sight. not sight what is intellect the intellect is primarily sight mm. feelings is also primarily sight while receiving the baptism of the holy spirit and the evidence of it is is speaking in tongues okay if it is not speaking that's why one said the baptist say they all have received it but they don't speak in tongues okay everybody gets it automatically there is no two experiences okay so you need to realize how did they deal with it is by canceling the tongues completely off because the problem with tongues is that the tongues and the intellect do not go together they do not go and paul makes it very clear in corinthians 14 i pray in the spirit i pray with understanding so when you go beyond your understanding it comes to tongues and tongues you don't understand what you are saying in tongues and the bible says you speak mysteries to god speaks the angel of who the language of angels so one of the fundamental blocks of receiving is your intellect your intellect comes into this thing okay and honestly we tell you that it is number one block is your intellect because it's an unknown language the sounds make no meaning to you and because all your life you have gone with reason and meaning and suddenly you have something which doesn't connect with reason or meaning you block it If you go again to Acts chapter two yeah. and verses one to three, okay, Acts chapter two verses one to three, it's very clear over there. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So it's coming from heaven. Yeah. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Okay, this is the first instance. There appeared to them divided tongues as far as of fire. One sat upon each one of them. We come to verse four. Okay, verse four. So this is happening. This is the first time. So it's vividly described. Okay, yeah. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah. So you will realize they spoke. 
So spirit, spirit gave spirit. utterance. Yes. So we have to speak. Hmm. If it had been inverted, then it would have been like the spirit gave them utterance and they spoke. It's not the way, that way it hmm. is put. It's not. They spoke. Yes. Yes. It's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. You have to buy an act of faith. Just open up your mouth because Jesus said it very clearly. If you have asked the Father, if, no, for the Holy Spirit, if you fathers being evil know how to give good things, how much more the Father in heaven will yes. give you the Holy Spirit. So what did you ask? You asked for the Holy Spirit. Okay? And when you ask for the Holy Spirit, by faith, you open your mouth and you speak. And suddenly you realize the utterance comes. It comes. But the problem is, one is your intellect, the other is your feelings. Mm. Okay? It's your feeling. Because baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is a gift. Your feelings tell you that you are not worthy enough. But nobody is worthy for a gift. If you are worthy for a gift, then it is not a gift. It is not a gift. It is wages. You are earning it. Nobody earns the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nobody earns salvation. Nobody earns mercy. Nobody earns grace. It's all a gift. So you have to receive it by faith. Mm. There can be blocks. There can be blocks. I'm not saying there cannot be blocks. There can be. I've, I've heard situations where <coughs> pastors talk about, you know, uh, people who were in this special meeting for people to be infilled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and nothing happened. And then the pastor has a word of knowledge as opposed to word of dis, uh, or wisdom has a word of knowledge. And this asks the person, were you ever involved in the occult? And uh, the person says, kind of, he says, astrology, horoscope, anything like that. He says, yeah. And he says, renounce. Renounce. Just open your mouth and renounce. And he says, I renounce every tie with the occult. I cancel it out in my life in Jesus' name. And then the pastor prays and he just immediately start flowing in tongues. Mm. So sometimes you need to go back and see if that, and just renounce it. Okay. Because you had a toehold over there in the enemy's realm. So there could be blocks. There could be blocks. I'm not saying blocks cannot be there. Blocks could be there. But, but that's your, your past. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can show you as what is blocking. So it could be. But other than that, it is basically the primary block, like personally also speaking. The primary block was your intellect, your mind, because you came with the mindset. It can, the, the block can be from within the church itself, because if you came from a mainline church, a Baptist tradition, Methodist tradition, and all this, you know, you have been taught one, vehemently taught that it is not there. Second, if you speak in tongues, it is demonic. Demonic. It is demonic. Okay. It is demonic. Okay. And then if you are in another particular school, they say they are Pentecostals, but they say if you, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, then the tongues has to be a human tongue which you don't understand. It is not a supernatural tongue. So all kind of this thing creates block and confusion confusion. So you have to put it away and look into the word of God and say yes, you can speak in a tongue which can be human tongue which they understand or you can speak in a supernatural tongue but God makes it into a human tongue where there is need like in the first time. After that it is not that what happens. And when you come to Corinthians 14 it's absolutely clear it's a divine tongue. Yes. And you don't understand 
you are and you can receive a subsequent gift or a parallel gift somebody gets the interpretation of tongues okay and that also is divine it's a gift these are all gifts yes pastor is it also uh, the the fact that it is a distinct uh, experience you can see that in acts chapter 19 verses 4 to 6 uh, it's very two different uh, uh, when paul goes yeah, to yeah but the, yeah. the issue here is where they come back with accept 19 is there but where they come back here with that is that is in john chapter 9 these people were believers but they were not true believers they only knew john's baptism and mm-hmm. it, it there is validity in that point so he says whose baptism did you receive but then again there was mm-hmm. this is when they were they believed and they got baptized in in the name of so and then verse 6 will say that yeah, they received yeah, the holy that spirit is what, but there what is happening is that in this case they were not saved that is how they come back with it they were not saved mm. they had only known john's baptism they had only been prepared to receive jesus they were believers but not in the actual sense of believers that's how they come back and the holy spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied so again they will come back with with their answers that if you're baptized with the holy spirit should you prophesy but what we say is what you see the common thread in everything is tongues prophecy is an additional gift the common thread you see everywhere is that when they were baptized in the holy spirit they spoke with other tongues that's the evidence hmm. otherwise how do you know how do you know Yes. because in every case where there was a baptism of the holy spirit in the book of acts mm. the others knew mm. others knew they were immediately knew they were baptized in the holy spirit because there was an outward evidence and the evidence was speaking in tongues <coughs> and sometimes an additional thing they prophesied to that's why if you look at baptists and all they're good people okay good people they take prophecy also away for them prophecy is just interpreting the word of god that is one part of prophecy but they take prophecy also away so there is no prophecy there the gifts of the holy spirit have been complete taken away and they sanction it using one scripture that the perfect has come all these things will go and they take it as the perfect as being the word of god the word of god the perfect we have the written canon so then you have to go back and ask when did the word of god come in its fullness where will you put your faith and you will see this no point in time where you can actually place back and says this became the canon and at that point the bible has become one book and the gift ceased <laughs> ceased okay it sounds actually if you look at it it sounds very ridiculous mm. it's very ridiculous like so and also you go back in history very few people had copies of the bible very few people had access to the word of god most people the letters were only read copies were in there so you will realize that it simply doesn't even logically you think about it, it doesn't work and second the gifts were given because you need the gifts for ministry you need the gifts for ministry and most people do not have even today there are so many millions who do not have access to the word of god yet the gifts of the holy spirit work okay so yes pastor vijay pastor there's one question which is slightly on the same thing on the on the lines of uh, prophecy and uh, revelations this is question number 16 okay. uh, there are two slides uh, john yeah mm-hmm. 
We are not going to read the name of the person, but oh, that's okay. I can say it. Okay, yeah, I bumped yeah, across yeah. a video of Zach Ponan, and I don't mind watching the video of this godly man, especially with his theology, acceptance of baptism of the Holy Spirit, etc. After he left Hebron to start his own church, yeah. he was quoting from Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse two, stating that anyone who claims to have visited heaven and hell is bogus mm. and fully false. As even if anyone has had the revelation, then they are they are aren't allowed to utter things because they have seen they have to be humble like Paul. If what he says is true, what about the divine revelation of heaven and hell, book by Mary K. Baxter, that God used to touch tons of souls, which means her experience wasn't true, just because God wanted her to reveal about horrors of hell. Okay, now the thing is that when he's, he's quoting, okay, this is, I mean, we don't have to agree with because a man is, and he is God, okay. Corinthians 12, to stating that anyone who claims to have visited heaven and hell is bogus, fully false, even if anyone has had the revelation, they aren't allowed to utter if what he says is true based on one scripture, we don't have the book of Revelation. Hmm. He's contradicting himself. The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. Okay, the book of Revelation. And we know John was taken in the spirit. Yeah. And we have an entire this thing about. So the whole book has to be taken out if you go by this. So it is not true. In Paul's case, what he heard, it was not to be revealed because we don't know what he heard and why it was not to be revealed. Okay? It was to be revealed. But the fact of the matter is, in this case, it is not true. It is not true. Okay? It is not true. Because simple thing, the Bible itself contradicts him. Hmm. We don't have to go anywhere. The Bible itself is contradicting him. Okay? Because here, he, uh, John is having a visitation of heaven. And we have 22 chapters after, from chapter 2 onwards. It is a visitation. Yes. Okay, it is a revelation. God is taking him in the spirit. So he is allowed to utter all of it. Not only utter it, record it and send it to the whole churches. And the whole church prepares for the end days using that. So that is not true. So it's as simple as that. So let's leave Mary Baxter alone. But what I'm saying, his premise he's using to discount anything else. If something else is wrong. Because we have the book of Revelation of somebody who went in the spirit and was taken through heavens. He saw things which could be uttered. Yeah. Could be uttered. So the premise is wrong. Mary Baxter, I have read it. I think we have it here. And uh, I do believe she saw stuff. I do believe she saw stuff. And even Rebecca Brown. Okay, I don't want to get into Rebecca Brown. From personal experience, I realize what Rebecca Brown did is absolutely on the dot. Absolutely on the dot. Till today we are dealing with the stuff what she saw. And it's true. Okay, so Mary Baxter, what she saw. I'm, I mean, we don't want to get into that. But what I'm saying, we're looking at the simple premise about it. Because he's a godly man, that does not mean he cannot be wrong. Mm. Cannot be wrong. Okay, he can be wrong. There were many, many, like John MacArthur is an absolutely godly man. But he's wrong. In so many areas he's wrong. Because he's wrong. Because it is not his experience and therefore they try to t turn scripture around. That's not what scripture says. We cannot discount. The problem is, like I said, I take the Bible in its whole. Just because I have an experience something, I will not discount it. I will not discount it. Okay. Now, think about the evangelism of Philip. He was taken in the spirit. Okay. One place to another. Just because we have an experience, do you discount it? That that was only for then. It will not happen. I mean, I wish it happened now during COVID restrictions. Mm. Right? How it happened? It will happen again. Because restrictions are increasing now. They are 
they are watching you 24-7. They're going to increase, 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 and increase. But the gospel cannot be stopped because unless the gospel is preached to all the nations, the end, that is the sign he gave. They asked him. If you go back to that, look at that. Actually, it's interesting. Matthew 24. The, the wording is interesting. Okay, Matthew 24. 21, uh, 24, okay. 1 to 3. Let's go to Matthew 24, verses 1 to 3. Jesus went out, departed from the temple. His disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon the other, and they shall not be thrown down. Yeah. Now, as he sat on the mount uh, of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Okay, so he's asking for the sign of his coming and the end of the age. He gives them a lot of signs, and he says, It's just the beginning of labor pains. Hmm. That's not it. But when it came to verse 14, he says, Twenty-four, fourteen, he says, and this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. This is the sign. This is the sign. So the devil will, devil knows. He knows his time is very little. He knows how to read the Bible very well. He knows it all. So you will see a total opposition to the preaching of the gospel, like. The new law that has come in Karnataka too, very vehement, very stringent law against preaching of the gospel, about uh, conversion, all kinds of laws all around the world. There's an absolute this thing. But you know what? God will cut it through it all. Because uh, scripture, you, can, scripture cannot be broken. Yeah. This gospel will be preached. Mm-hmm. It will be preached. Okay, And I believe one of the formats he will use is internet. Internet. It is not personally man. But when they start censoring the internet too, God will go beyond that. Mm-hmm. It cannot be. And you will see in the book of Revelation, after that comes afterwards, you will see the angel of the Lord preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. taking it to the ends of the earth. Okay, so all kind of things will happen. So we need to realize we don't shorten God's hand by our unbelief. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes I believe that's what the non-Pentecostals too. Good godly men on the non-Pentecostal side, they shorten. They uh, take a text, read it that way and say the perfect has come. Therefore, all these things have ceased. You know what? Today we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit more than any time in history. Because we are facing unprecedented attack. And therefore, we need more. When sin abounds, we need more grace. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Everything that he has, we need it today at any age. Because you cannot otherwise fight this battle. Mm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Another question. It's question number 18. When you talk about faith, you preached about presumptuous faith. How can we tell the difference? Can you explain that to me, please? The difference between presumptuous faith and authentic faith. I mean, uh, yeah. Keep the question on. Question, okay. question on 18. Now, what is presumption? We are, pre- I mean, if you look at the simple meaning of that word, we are presuming something. When the Bible is very clear, faith comes from hearing. 
faith from comes from. There are two two things which are said about faith. One, faith comes from hearing. Two, hearing from the word of God. Mm-hmm. So we have to tally both this before it becomes faith. God has spoken. God has spoken. And it is like in today's age. Today's age, God has spoken. You have heard it. He has spoken. And you have the word of God from where he spoke to you. Or the word of God sanctions it. It is not contrary to revealed scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the simple uh, verses we know is in the book of Numbers. We always go back to it because uh, in Numbers and uh, uh, chapter 14. Okay. And verse 30. Uh, 26 onwards. You can read from verse 26 onwards. Numbers 14, 26 onwards. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Except for Caleb and Jephunneh, Joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. He's made up his mind. He said, that's it. This is final. Okay. Word 39. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly, bitterly. Okay. Let's read from there. Yeah. Verse 40 again. Verse 40 keep on. Keep on. Keep on. Yeah. Then they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, Here we are. We will go up to the place which the Lord has promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord for this will not succeed? Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord and the Lord will not be with you. Verse 44. Verse 44. Important. Yeah. What is it slow? Sami. Okay. But they presumed. See that word? That is Prishamsa's faith. You presume God is with you and he is not with you. Contrary to what he has said. Okay. Contrary to what you have said. You presume. Okay. Another instance is there in the book of Samuel. Okay. First Samuel. Yeah. First Samuel. Chapter 4. Words one onwards. The word of the Lord, so Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped against Ebenezer. And the Philistines camped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. 
And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. The people sent to Shiloh that they might bring there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. (laughs) And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. The Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp, for they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourself like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourself like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent, and there was a very great slaughter at Israel, 30,000. So the ark of the Lord also was captured. What happened over there is the simple thing is that in that entire chapter when they are fighting and they are defeating, they brought the ark of the Lord, but you will never see them inquiring of the Lord. Never see inquiring of the Lord. Because if they had inquired, God wouldn't have spoken to them. That's what Paul will say in the new covenant. They had a Appearance of holiness, but denied its power. Denied form of godliness, but denies its power. The ark was just a form, but the presence of God did not go with the ark. Okay, the presence of God did not go with the ark. Okay, the ark went, but the presence of God was not with them. Okay, but when the Philistines stood the ark, the presence of God was with the ark. And their gods start all tumbling down. And this is where they are presuming. We presume. We presume. Okay. Now we all have been given uh, uh, commands. If two of you agree, if you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. We plead the blood. All those things. Okay. Now these are not charms or magic formulas. Mm, yes. If it has to work, there has to be a life behind it. Sorry. A life of obedience. Amen. Life of obedience. The name of Jesus is the most powerful name in the whole universe forever and ever. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. But when the sons of Skiva tried it, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, the demons turned around and attacked. Okay, so we need to realize this is where we, we pursue. So it's always good to inquire of the Lord and hear from God. In this case, God, in the first case, God had very clearly said, I will not let you enter. Next morning, they were, and contrary to what God has already spoken, they went, they presumed, and they were defeated, they were killed. In the second case, there is no inquiring of the Lord at all. They are presuming the ark is there, so God is there. They took the ark, and they got defeated, 30,000 died, and you know what happened? Again, the ark is also taken. And even godly men can presume. Now, if you go to first, uh, second Samuel mm-hmm. chapter six. Six. Second Samuel chapter six. David bringing the ark. David bringing the ark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it? Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Six. Okay. Okay. Again. Second Samuel chapter six. And we bring 
from verse 1 onwards. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 37, 30,000. David arose, went with all the people who were with him from Bale Judah to bring up from the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Yes, and they set the ark of the Lord on a new cart, brought it out of the house of Abinadah, which was on the hill. Remember when the Israelites had sent it back? This ark has been sitting there for years and years and years. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadah, drove the new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadah, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. Ahio went before the ark. David and the all houses played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of firewood and harps, everything. They did the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And when they came to Nakhon's, uh, Nakhon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of the God, took hold of the ark, but the oxen stumbled. And verse 7, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there. By, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and called the name of the place Perez Uzzah. And everything stopped. The whole procession stopped. Yes. And verse 9 says, was afraid of the Lord that day. He said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And the Bible will tell us, if you know your story, for three months it stayed there. A man took it to his house. His whole house was blessed. And then David inquires, okay, and what happens? This time he realizes, you know what, this is not where the ark should be brought. It should be brought on the shoulders of the priest. So what happened? They presumed. They presumed. Even a good man. Now this case is a godly man. It's not a bad man. It's a godly man. Okay, so he presumed that you can bring it. So you will realize he went back into their history. That day 30,000 had died. So he has 30,000 soldiers. The Israelites, the, the Philistines had set back in the ark in a, uh, in a cart. So he was, what was he trying? He was trying to pattern in the Philistine way, new cart on the cows. But you can't do that. Philistines can do different ways. Can send the ark back. But Israelites have to go by what God has already spoken. He said, this is the way the ark can go. So you will see that. David also presumed. Later, if you read the record in the book of Chronicles, he will scold the priest by saying, why didn't you go by the what God had spoken? So we will see that the same thing happens. There is a faith, this is genuine. And you have to look at all the facets of faith. And what does the word of God talks about faith? And there is a faith where we presume. Where we presume. And presumptuous faith will only bring judgment, not judgment. We we get defeated. We get defeated. Nothing happens because we presume. Okay, we presume. So that's where we have to be careful about uh, that. We have to be very careful because faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. And how do you understand is this? Yeah. Uh, if you turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Through whom also we access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. So one of the fu- one of the f- functional ways, simple understanding is that if your faith is real, you have access to grace. Mm. If you have access to grace, if you come to Romans 6.14, if you have access to grace, okay, you overcome sin. Mm. If you come to Romans 14.23, okay, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever of faith means you overcome sin. 
Okay. Mm. Then, if you go to the book of Galatians, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. If you are under law, you have sin has dominion over you. So if you put it all together, what does it mean to be walked by faith? It means to be led by the Spirit. You cannot be led by the Spirit and say, not, you cannot not be led by the Spirit, but you still say, I'm walking by faith. It's not possible. They're all connected. Because the Spirit comes with the hearing. So if you're walking by faith, you're hearing from the Spirit. And if you're walking by faith and hearing from the Spirit, grace comes into your life. Wherever there is grace, there is victory. Mm. Wherever there is Spirit, there is liberty. So those these words can all be interchangeably used. Grace is a manifest presence of God, but grace comes from the Spirit of God. There is a person. There is a person. There is a person. There is His presence. There is His power. And you will realize again when you come down, we will come down, we can all come down to it. Grace is given to the humble. Mm-hmm. The humble is who is put aside his intellect and his feelings and just goes by what God has said. This is what you have said. I will stake my life on it. Okay. Therefore God opposes the proud. The proud is the one who has raised his intellect above what God has spoken. Faith. Or he raises his feelings about what God has spoken. Okay, so you come back to it, putting it in simple, simple language. What is presumptuous faith? Presumptuous faith is putting your intellect or your feelings above what God has spoken. You presume. You presume. You presume. Did you really hear? Is that what the word of God says? Did you really hear? Okay, that's why intellect can be, um, God is not anti-intellect, okay? But uh, intellect has to serve faith. Mm. Feelings have to serve faith. Mm. These to both these things can be even from the simple things to very complex things. Okay, and again, uh, you have you cannot go by experience either. There is experience. Experience is the it's a good teacher. It is not the best teacher. The best teacher is the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. Okay, if you look at David's life. David won his victories. Each time before war, he will ask the spirit. And the spirit will say, go this way. Mm-hmm. Now we already have one. And the enemy is the same. Why do you have to have the second time? He does not going by experience. Second time God says, that's not the way to do. This is the way to do it. So you have to realize this living by faith is very real. The spirit of God. Spirit, like I said, no. don't ever put the Holy Spirit into a box. Okay into a box. Okay, like people have this idea about fasting. 7, 20, 21, 40. 40. <laughs> it's absolutely fine because it's there in scripture. But what if the Spirit of God says, I want you to fast for 8 days? Yeah. That's all. Or you started, which is good. Fasting is a good thing. You fasted for 7 days uh, or you're fasting for 21 days. Okay, the Spirit of God says, or you started, and then God says on the third day, stop. Wow. It stops. Okay, because the whole idea is that you don't put the Holy Spirit into your box. Holy Spirit. Yes, box. yes, yes. You're yes. willing to hear. But in our yeah. case, it's 21 days, because he said 21 already, days. Yes, he said 21 days. So we go for 21 days. Okay, because sometimes God is just checking your obedience. Yes. That's what he did with Abraham. Shake your son, your only son. Is God contradicting himself? No, he's no. not. 
There was sin in the camp, but if they had asked of God, God no, no, would have no, told no. them. Mm-hmm. First mistake they made in the promised land, they didn't ask God. Second time, they asked God. And God says, no, take your whole army. It's a small thing. It's a small town. Take your whole army. Divide it into two camps. This is what you need to do. You don't presume. Mm-hmm. They presume. You see, if you look at the word Pastor they said it's true. The Joshua presumed. Look at that presumption. First victory, he went in and presumed. It's an interesting point. Look at Joshua chapter 7. What he did. Verse 2. Onwards. Onwards, yeah. Now Joshua. Yeah, okay. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said, oh, do not let all the people go up. Let about two or three thousand men go up and attack. Do not bury all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men. But why did you listen to man's report? Did you go ask God? Hmm. Did you ask? He presumed. And they got defeated. If he had gone to ask, Lord, how should we go? God would say, don't go now. There's a problem in your camp. Deal with that first. Deal with it that first. First deal with that. Deal with that. And then he would have told, if you look that, that's what God does. It's interesting if you look at it. It's very interesting. Okay, Why I'm saying we'll apply it to our own. Okay, Then uh, chapter 8, after the their internal problem is it dealt with, God goes to chapter 8 and said, God said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole, whole army with you. With all the people of God. Hmm. All. Now, you have to think about it, okay? Whole army with you. Now, in their... I is a small town. And they said, there's no need for 3,000 men is enough. In God's eyes, he says, you know what? Take your whole army. Meaning, in your own eyes, the problem you are battling is very small. And he says, oh, I can handle it. God says, you know what? You think it is small. You need to fast 21 days for it. Go with it with your end time. Go on cold dark day. You think it's small. But I'm telling you, this can destroy you. Amen. Amen. In your eyes it is small. Yes. But in my eyes it is. This how we take the book of Joshua and apply it to our lives. That's a physical battle. We are fighting a spiritual battle. And some of the things we look, like I'm, let, let me t- tell you, some of the things which we, which we look as, like, like, let me tell you, procrastination. Mm. Ah, that's okay, I can handle it. But you know what? Procrastination will lead people to missing their salvation or losing all their crowns. But it's very small. Yeah. Very small. 
Okay, or go to Revelation chapter 21 and read words 7 and 8, I think. 7 and 8, yeah, so that I don't get it wrong. Either it's 7 or it's 8. Okay, but the cowardly, look at verse 8. Now, who would say that I need to fast for 21 uh, days because I'm a fearful man? Hmm. But on the other hand, if you're sexually immoral, you will say, oh, Lord, I'm fighting this, fighting lust, fighting pornography, fighting masturbation, fighting this thing, this thing. Everybody says, see. But God says, you know what? You will see heaven is full of them. But hell is full of fearful people. And you you got your, you presumed this is big. He says, you know what? That is not what is big. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting the other things are big. I'm saying sometimes we need to see through God's eyes is that now, no. It is fear. It's a huge snare. Huge, huge snare. Even with some of the people I am dealing with, okay. You know what? And I'm looking a lot. I I told them today too. Told them today too that if you're afraid, you will go. You'll go. You'll go down. What the enemy is trying to do is that causing you to fear to go back to the enemy's camp. You're worried about all, not, I'm not worried about all the other big things which you have done. You may have even committed murder. You have committed everything in the book. But I'm not worried about any of those things. I'm worried of the fact that you're so afraid. So afraid. It's that fear of that that you have to battle. Because that's the big thing. And sometimes people do not realize, you know, uh, let us say another simple thing, like if you talk about our church, no desire for the word. People don't even realize that it is such a dangerous thing, absolutely dangerous thing, that you can sit in the church and be totally not be interested at all. That when you go out, you just flip your coin and you're back in the world at all. And you're going like that week after week, month after month, month after month. And it doesn't even bother you. Is because I go to church. And people don't realize. Yet you will say, you know what? Like the Pharisee. I don't murder. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. And you're not looking at the actual issue we start, you know what? He's telling the church, one of the church, a title one thing. You have a reputation of being alive, Sardis, but you are dead. You are dead. And sometimes that is where we have to be very, very careful that we don't presume things. Look at the word of God and give it, give it. Okay, or what he told the church in Ephesus. You are perfect. But you know what? You don't have your first love. You don't have your first love. So this season, we are going through the fasting season. No? Okay? And that, those are the things which we need to look at. Am I committed? Am I committed? Like those who overcome the devil, the first two things, the third thing mentioned over there, they are committed. Absolutely committed. Otherwise you will not overcome. You will not defeat the enemy. The thing is that you have only two choices. Either you defeat the devil or the devil defeats you. There's no third choice. He leaves me alone. Mm-hmm. There is nothing called Switzerland in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the Nazis will leave you alone. No, this is not that, that kind of a Nazi. This is worse than Hitler. He will not leave you alone. There are only two choices, overcome or be overcome. Either you defeat him or he defeats you. And you have to be f- absolutely committed. You know. 
So if you are struggling with that, though you are not struggling with any or the overall, like the usually sin as we call it, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. That's not the simple question you need to ask. Am I committed? Am I committed? If you are not committed, then you're presuming you will overcome. You're presuming. Because it's right over there. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Am I committed? Then, if you are not committed, you need to go back to God and say, Lord, quicken my spirit. Change me. Change me, Lord. I'm gonna fast for this, that I will be committed. You know, I'm, I am, I am making a decision. And now you help me through this. Yes. Amen. Bringing my will in alignment with your will. Now I can't do it in the flesh. I need your spirit. So, Lord. So that's how you look. So you don't perceive, you don't take anything for granted. Don't you, take even it. to fast, you have to make a decision and back you up. Otherwise, it will be in the flesh. <laughs> but your will is there. Yes, yes. Absolutely. You have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. That is where God won't touch you. Yeah. God will say, you do it and I will back you up. Amen. I'll give you everything that you need, but I will not manipulate your will. <laughs> I gave you the will and I told you, you choose. Like you choose all the other things. Now use the same will to choose the things of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's again a question number 19. We'll go in the same order. <clears throat> what is meant by the word veil in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3? How does this apply to unsaved people? Can you explain how this is related to a biblical revelation? Okay, there are two kinds of unsaved people. One are the Gentiles, the other are the Jews. Okay, the Jews are also not saved. Mm. Okay, right now, there's no salvation for the Jew unless he comes to Jesus. There is the faith of the Old Testament work won't work now for the Jews because Christ came and they rejected him. Yes. The saints of the Old Testament did not reject Christ. They saw him through the veil. Yes. Okay, so if Abel has to be accepted, it has to be by faith. They saw the shadow. So the blood of the Lamb was the shadow. Yeah, even the so gospel was preached to them. Preached to them, to them yes. in a veil, through a veil. So the Passover Lamb was. Okay, so the veil was there. But they saw through the shadow, they believed in the shadow, and they were saved. So it's a different kind of salvation, not like ours. Mm. They were not born of the Spirit like this, but they were saved. All those who walked by faith in the Old Testament, their faith is in the blood of the Lamb. And they had to go by that terms. But now, it is not there for the Jew. Mm. It's not for the Jew. Any Jew has to get saved. He has to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as his Messiah. In the same way, for any Gentiles to get saved, he has to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But the difference is, the difference between the Jew and the Gentile is, the Gentile is blinded. Gentile is blinded. There's a difference between a veil and total blindness. With the veil, you can see in like part. In part. So the Jew has a veil over his face. As long as he reads Moses, meaning reads the law, he sees through a veil. When will the veil be lifted up? When he turns to Jesus. When he turns to Jesus, when he realizes the law and the prophets is pointing to Jesus Christ, the veil is lifted. As long as that, he will not be able to really see. And what he sees is not going to save him. He will live under the condemnation of the law. He will be doing all the works of the law. The world will not justify anybody. It will not save anybody. Everybody who is under the law is under a curse. So that is how he sees. Okay. So 
on the other hand also for us who are who are in the kingdom okay now let me tell you about this kingdom when jesus said the way the way to life is very narrow very narrow meaning there are these two ways there is the world there is the law and there is grace awesome. yeah. if you turn to this side you come under a curse if you turn to this side you come under a curse mm-hmm. cursed is every man and if you come into this side you don't not only come under the curse you come under the wrath of god mm. the wrath of god so there is only one way a man can walk it is by faith under faith under faith grace under grace under grace okay so if you go back to that question we need to realize whenever we turn to one of these two sides we come under the power of the enemy yeah the power of the enemy because the law talks about death devil has power over death on this side of the world he is the ruler of it so what happens is if you flip to the left or to the right revelation stops revelation stops and the danger for the believer is either to go this side or to the other side okay so when you go to the other side and start becoming legalistic the problem is revelation stops you go under bondage you go onto this side now you're walking in the flesh you're under the power of witchcraft because sorcery is part of the flesh works of the flesh you go under witchcraft here also you can't under the dominion of the devil in a different way here in a different way but both under the dominion of the left this thing that is why if you do not walk under faith and grace okay that is why we have to be very very careful what one how we read the word two who we listen to mm. who we listen to that's why i always say to the new generation you know, find one teacher who's been approved of god and build your life around the word and that teacher don't have too many teachers too many have so many teachers because teachers can destroy you teachers can be very very clear about the teacher and the church you choose because remember the old man is there the flesh is there the law is there and both are pulling you into if you are a righteous man the law will pull you if an unrighteous man the flesh will pull you if you are like paul who was blameless according to the law the law will pull you if you are a sinner who are saved by grace the world will pull you so you have to be very 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 and you have to be very careful on which path you walk because it will that's where revelation also comes because whichever you way go you go what stops is revelation stops mm. where does revelation come from the spirit the mm. spirit speaks talking and the revelations you will be hearing from men and women will be either connected with the law where they take you back to the festivals of hebrews everything is being celebrated or it will be all connected to the world and you feel very good about it this is god's will for it take you back over there. there is no repentance there at all one of the fundamental things about those who preach on this side there is no repentance while five times to the seven churches god has to tell repent 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 or i will take it away from you and they will bring business techniques and that techniques and this techniques you don't bring anything from the world in here the word of god stands on its own and you're willing to be a fool for christ jesus sake because the foolishness of the the, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing so that is how you have to look at it. 
Otherwise it is dangerous. It has to be continuous. So you are saved by grace, kept by grace, will be resurrected by grace. It's all a work of grace, but grace comes by faith. Without faith you cannot access grace. You cannot revert back to your intellect. Mm-hmm. Though intellect is there, but now you are using your intellect to prop up faith, to, to not prop up faith, to strengthen faith. The mind which you used against God, now we allow the mind, that's why it's called the renewal of the mind. The mind is being continuously renewed, but the source of renewal is no longer the world, it is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now the Spirit of God is speaking to your spirit, and the soul is receiving it. The signals are completely different. It is not from the flesh. It is not from the world. So when they talk about prosperity and all, it doesn't excite you because you already know you are prosperous. So it does not bother you at all because you know none of these things really actually matter. So the hmm. Bible is not actually talking in the new covenant about prosperity. It is actually talking about abundance, abundance to give. You understand the whole. So this holding up and all doesn't make any difference to you at all because that is not the new covenant. It's not the new covenant. Everything, the whole perspective changes. So when you hear somebody who is using the word to preach a gospel that is false, you will have discernment. That's what in Corinthians Paul said. A different gospel, a different Jesus, a different spirit. You receive it so quickly. And you will always see that people receive false gospels so fast, so excited. So excited. Yeah, so excited. But actually, like I'm saying about now, you don't see an excitement when you hear about the blood of Jesus. You don't see people so excited when you hear about the cross. cross. You don't hear so people so excited when you hear a person is God saved and repentant and God. There's no excitement but about any of these things. But these are the, the things that should excite you. Yes. When you know what the cross is, what the blood does, and a sinner getting saved, you should be excited. That's an excitement. Tell them about money, tell them about health, tell them about wealth, tell them about prosperity, tell them. You should see them jumping and dancing and doing and well, heaven's perspective is completely different. Actually, Derek Prince says that every time we see a baptism, mm-hmm. it's actually reenacting the oh, resurrection. The resurrection and you have to be excited These about things it. should excite us. And I, I don't understand why it doesn't excite us. That's why even in that ministry, when I was talking in the morning with the homes, what should excite us is that the boys at the, at the place, I don't think you did the skit and all there, no, right? No. See? Do you see the difference? I have nothing against skits, okay? Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is that you had one side where you had all the drama and everything. Other side, there was no drama. It was not even, there was no time. It was not, all it was there, the song and the message. And the boys at the back, they were crying. These are the ones who cannot go out. They are there for murder and I think 17 of them are there for murder. Also, you should see the way the, in that, in that place, the isolation, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called isolation. Yeah. Mode. They are not even allowed to put their heads up. They have to walk like this. The moment they see a civilian coming inside, they have to put their head down and they have to turn to the other side and walk. It's like absolute shame. They are are, are made to behave like that. But did you see there what happened? There was nothing. It was just the worship and the word and God was moving over there. And that should excite us. Mm-hmm. Honestly, what in the flesh, you, I'm not, uh, please don't misunderstand me. When you see all of them lifting their hands and singing along and dalming and clapping for the drama, we get excited. But that should not be exciting us. We are looking over it as, is anyone being touched by the spirit? Anyone being touched by the spirit? Because the only reason we go in over it is Lord, one soul for it. One soul we mean. 
Okay, this is where we have to understand. Don't get excited by any of these things because none of these things will last. The only thing that I kept saying before you went, the name of Jesus. Just teach them to call upon the yes. name of Jesus yes. because you may not know whether you will be able yes. to go back. Yeah. But one man gets that secret, the power of that name. God will move heaven and earth. Because what is should excite us, what should excite us is the saving of a soul. You know, so that's where we have to be very, very careful about how we do things. Yes. What yeah. should excite us and what should grieve us? What should excite us? We should be grieved by what grieves God. And we should be excited by what excites God. We'll see God was grieved. God was grieved. We'll see from Genesis 6 onwards, God was grieved. About Israel, God was grieved. God was grieved. And if those things don't grieve us, and we are grieved by our laws, we lost something in the material realm, we are grieved by that. How is our heart aligned with God? Mm. Our heart is not aligned with God. Okay, and we are excited by something which does not excite God, then where is our heart aligned with God? Okay, so that's why we have to be very, very careful about the gospels we hear. There are many gospels around there. There's only one gospel. And Paul, if you read the gospels of, of Paul, you know, if you read Corinthians, they are fighting among themselves, they are carnal, there is incest, there are all kind of things. But how does he begin the letter? Thank God. I thank God. But how does he begin? Galatians. Galatians. He is so, it's like he cannot even contain. (laughs) Chapter 1, he just takes off. He's so upset with them. He's so upset with them. Who bewitched you? How did you go away from this gospel? How did you get away from this gospel? Who bewitched you? And it is bewitchment. And he said, let him be good. He uses that word twice so vehemently. Anybody brings another gospel, let him be cursed. And you know what? We have to, I marvel that you are turning away soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And we need to realize, have you turned to a different gospel? With the true gospel will also cause grief and excitement. Where God is grieved and God is excited. And my excitement is in some other area, you know, some other area, you know, and there is something wrong. Something wrong with, it's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. Something wrong with me. Yes, Pastor Vijay. When he's talking about biblical revelation, uh, is it, uh, when you talk about revelation in general, uh, revelation could be about the word and also revelation could be a particular situation that you're going through as to how to respond in a particular situation. Is revelation has many facets, like one of these. How can you relate to biblical yeah, revelation? Biblical, yeah. When, honestly, uh, as long, uh, it's not to, this does not apply to unsaved people, but uh, uh, when you turn to Christ, when you turn to Christ, the veil is lifted. Because mm. that is actually talking to Jews. Okay, when you turn to Christ, the Old Testament starts making sense. Yeah. Starts making sense. Otherwise, poor fellow will be still wearing only cloth of one material. He will not sow two different kinds of seed in his ground because he still is not to understand going through all the festivals of Israel, doing it over and over again when it has no meaning because the the substance has come. Mm. Fulfillment has already come. So why do you, why do you do something which was a shadow? My simple question is that if uh, I were to stand right over here, you will see my shadow. My question is, can you grab a shadow? No. You cannot grab a shadow. You can only grab a person. 
So once the person has come, what meaning does the shadow have? Nothing. Mm. Nothing, yeah. yeah. Okay. But as long as the veil is not lifted, as long as you don't turn to Christ, the veil is not lifted, you will be living in the shadows. Yeah. And the people who live in the shadows, a great light has come. But they rejected the light. They still live in the shadows. They still live in the shadows. Okay, so here it is talking about revelation. And but again, the veil being lifted up as we keep on turning as the Holy Spirit shows. He tells you. Mm-hmm. Okay, the simple thing is that you know what? As long as you live under the law, you are comfortable, but you're comfortably going to hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. The law does not convict you of sin, which is inside. The law convicts you of sin only which is outside. Yeah. Outward. If you only committed it, the law will convict you. But the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of sin outside. He convicts you first of the sin that is inside. And then only goes outside. Okay, so you can live your entire life under the law with no conviction of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Yep. That is the difference. Even in the Old Testament it was there. People who were under the law were under the conviction. Those who walked by faith were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Saul and all is never convicted. They're never convicted. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, I think question number 22, I think, should be an extension to this. You can also deal with this. A repentance is godly sorrow. How do you explain this to unbelievers, especially Jews? We have a few Jews in our neighborhood. Repentance is godly sorrow. But repentance is not just godly sorrow. When you begin, there is godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. To a Jew, you have to read Acts chapter 2. A a genuine Jew, a a devout Jew. Okay, who's searching? Who's doing all the sacrifice? Who grieves over his sin and all? And then you realize you're grieving over your sin. And God sent his only son as your savior. And do you know what you did? You crucified him. That's when they were cut to the heart. To the Jew, Jew, gospel is presented that way. The Jesus whom you You crucified, crucified. Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and and Savior. And they were cut to the heart and cry out, what should we do? What should we do? And they said, repent. Repent Mm. and believe and be baptized. Okay, so to the Jew, it has to be explained. See, the Jewish, the, the, the gospel is, is not just sorrow over our sin. We have to, we, then we will, we will get it wrong. It becomes more like a religious sorrow. The gospel is, the, the repentance is not sorrow over our sin. I'm wrong. It's not sorrow over sin primarily. It is secondary. It is what my sin cost God to do. Okay. Because in every religion there is sorrow over sin. But we are always looking at the penalty. Oh, I will have to go through this, what others suffered. It's not that. The sorrow over actual over sin is what did it cost God? It cost God. It, in so many ways, it's my opinion. In so many ways, it changed the Trinity. My sin. Because one person of the Trinity had to become man. Forever. And is forever man. Forever. Forever man. One person of the Trinity is forever man and forever God. 
But the nature of the Trinity was changed because of my sin. And why did he become that? Because he had to go through that and go through that excruciating humiliation and the shame and agony and separation from his father. All that. So you have to look at what did, what did it, you know, what did it cost? That's, cost, cost, no? that's when, that's sometimes when people in uh, other religions, they repent and they change. It is not what it cost God. It is what cost their family. An alcoholic turned sober. Why? Mm-hmm. He, one day when he's sober, he looks and he says, you know what? What his wife is going through? And the children are going through. They're going in rags. The woman is struggling and he realizes, you know what? I'm spending all this money on liquor. What kind of nonsense is And he turns a new leaf. Why did he change? Because he looks with sorrow what his actions is costing somebody else. Okay, So, we can have a horizontal repentance. That is not genuine repentance. Genuine repentance is vertical repentance. What if your actions is not affecting anybody? It's not affecting anybody anymore. That's David's case. You can't bring Uriah back. He's gone. Bathsheba has got a good, good deal. She's the king's wife. Everything you said fits. I can't do anything about Uriah. Uriah is gone. But as far as what I did, I have covered it nicely and I have also made it better. Everything is fine. But that is the problem. Vertically, somebody is hurt. And because he knows that God, as God, he is also hurt. So Psalm 51, the entire cry is vertical. There is no horizontal cry there at all. Mm. The whole cry of Psalm 51 is a vertical cry of what he has done to God. And when God sends Nathan, the cry is also from vertical. He says, you messed up my name. If it was a woman you wanted, I would have given you the concubines. You messed my name among the Gentiles. Saul can't do that. You can do that because you are my son. Saul wasn't. Saul never cared about me. So I, I keep telling this over and over again. People you don't love and who don't love you do not have the power to hurt you. Saul cannot hurt God. God can be hurt over Saul. He grieved over Saul. But Saul cannot hurt God because Saul doesn't love God. David loves God and God loves David. So David suddenly has this power to grieve God. That is where we need to understand. John 3.16 says, God so loved us, therefore we have the power to grieve God. That's what my sin did. You look at that. That is how godly sorrow comes godly sorrow comes. And after that there will not be so much of sorrow as you hear there is a complete change of mind. You are changing, changing. There is no need, need for sorrow. If you are waiting for sorrow, you are not going to yeah, repent. Yeah, yeah. You suddenly realize okay, I turn, I am a new person. I hear that. Okay, that's what a new person yeah. is. I am changing, I am changing, exactly. I am changing. You don't have to need emotion over there. It's an a act decision. Of, it's a decision. Yes, it's a decision. decision. Yes. It's an act. It's a decision. It's a decision. Oh, this is God doesn't like it. Oh, that's fine. I'm good. I'm good with it. God doesn't like it. I'm changing one. This is how God thinks. This way I'm going. This is how God does. This way I'm going. That's it. So there's not so much sorrow, but initially there will be sorrow. Initially. And then when you walk with God and then you fall away, you fall in sin. When you come back, again there is sorrow. Because you knew. You hurt God. Though not, you're not condemned. You're not sent to hell. But you know, you still hurt God. Okay, because God is holy. So that's how you look at it. Mm. You know? To the Jews, it's Acts chapter 2. Because Acts chapter 2 is entirely preached by Jews to Jews. 
we also get saved by it but acts chapter 2 is an entire encounter is with jews and acts chapter 9 blameless jew is encounters perfect the lord and he suddenly realizes he is no longer blameless okay till we go to the centurion's house it's an entirely with jews tell them to read acts chapter 1 till that chapter which chapter do they 12 no 10 yeah. where they where they cornelius house that is where we that's where we gentiles come in mm. till chapter 9 it is a jewish encounter <laughs> jews have to read it through jewish eyes and see jesus as messiah and then they will understand okay what it is Yes. They they also don't read till Isaiah Isaiah 53 also they will not they read, won't read, read Isaiah 53 yes. they'll be very careful yes, they'll they very will, all they, that they will avoid <laughs> <laughs> they will avoid avoid Psalm 53 and all very Isaiah 53 yeah. but they are good people <laughs> yeah God's people we love them yeah, his covenant stands with them hallelujah yes he will save some of them yes next question we'll go to question number 21 uh hey, sorry sorry uh, sorry sorry pastor it's uh, this is question number 20 20 20 can you please define a stronghold also describe the three aspects of the stronghold in unbelievers and how intercession can be applied to each i wouldn't put it as three aspects of this stronghold but if you want to put it as three aspects now we will go to second corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 uh, onwards Though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for pulling down strongholds yeah five casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god bringing every thought into the captivity into the obedience of christ so basically the strongholds are in your Mind. in your soul i want to put it across soul. as in your soul mm-hmm. and like we say if you want to look at the question has three aspects of this stronghold mm-hmm. i would believe the aspects are your mind your will and your feelings if you want to put it has those three though i wouldn't put it has three aspects of it but i would say that that is when the devil has taken over your thinking in timothy he says he has taken over it to take mind. your will yes your will can be taken over 227 okay your mind can be taken over your will can be taken over your entire feelings can be taken is captured by the enemy you are a feeling person you go where your emotions and the enemy has taken you captive through your emotions the man whose mind is taken over by the enemy is the man who says i think therefore i, I am, do, I am yeah. okay and the man whose emotions is that he says i feel therefore i am the man who is strong willed strong it is not either his intellect or his it is his will i will do what i want i will do it is like that no he hears and his mind says what he says is true his feelings also says is true but i will still do what i want you know there are people like that they are absolutely strong willed absolutely strong willed that's why the bible is talking about they are stubborn stiff necked stubborn okay intellectually they understand what he says is all logic okay 
You, you will actually encounter people like that who are miserable. They're miserable. Okay, they're miserable. They hear the gospel and they know intellectually it is absolutely. And feelings-wise, they are miserable. Yet they will not change. I will still do what I have to do. Okay. So these all three can be strongholds. Your mind can be stronghold. Your will can be a stronghold. And your like you have strong-willed children. No, all children are not the same. Some children are absolutely strong-willed. You can sit with them and explain to them why they are doing is wrong. You can smack them, yet the next time they will still go and do the same thing. Yeah, they are strong-willed. Okay, so we need to understand how strongholds operate. It can be in your mind. But going beyond that, if you go to what we looked in the morning today, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Okay, so it is here talking about the mind. Okay, so here it is talking about is that... Uh, any sin. Be angry and you haven't sinned, then it does not matter if the sun goes down because there is no wrath there. But you are angry and you sinned. Any sin. It's an open invitation to the enemy. And if you don't deal with it, that becomes what you call the point from where he starts operating in your life. And after a point of time, it becomes his stronghold stronghold and he can establish many 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 strongholds in your mind he can establish it's like the fms do with creating altars a person can have multiple altars which they have created so if you deal with one altar and you think you are fine he will pull up the other altar and you are not free until every altar has been dealt with and integrate and become the core even if one altar is left one altar is left he can pull that out. Depends on the nature of the altar. But in, in let, let's talk about Al-Qaeda has sleeper cells in America. They can sit there. Quiet. When they want, they can. Like the fellows who did 9-11. If you ask their neighbors, they were absolutely normal. Nobody ever suspected. But when they wanted, they pulled them out. So the devil can create strongholds in our mind and leave it there. But when he wants it, that is where you cannot know. That is why the Bible is talks about the heart is deceitful above all things. It is not possible to know it unless God. Do not believe your heart. Because it's a constantly changing mechanism. The same word deceitful over there is from that. Jacob. Is from where you get Jacob. 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 You get it from supplanter. Because that will keep on anything that God says, it will supplant it. It will supplant it. So that is where, that's where David will cry in one of the Psalms, 189, one of those Psalms, he says, search me. 138. 138. Search me, try my heart. If the Holy Spirit doesn't search, yeah, just a nine, just a nine. For Psalm 139. Yeah. If the Holy Spirit does not search, the last verses, I think, search me, O God, and know my heart. Say, you know what? I cannot know my heart because it is deceitful. It will deceive me 10 out of 10 times. It will deceive. So you have to search my heart and try me. Let me know. 
I don't. Because people go by their heart. The heart is a stronghold. That's why God has to give us a new heart. Yes. But it doesn't mean he is, the old heart isn't there. Yeah. These are all spiritual, metaphorical yeah, terms. Words, yeah. words. So you have to realize that mm. you don't trust your heart. You don't trust your intellect. You don't trust your will. You don't trust your feelings. You ask the Holy Spirit, try me, search me, let me know. When you come to that point, the Spirit of God is able to lead you. And God says, as many as who are led by the Spirit are called the sons of God. Not that others are in sons, but they are children, bachche. But these ones have become mature because they have allowed the Holy Spirit. And when you are led by the Spirit that way, God says, you are not under the law. You are not under the law. You don't need the law. The law has no effect on you because you are already overcome inside. The outward doesn't matter at all because you are inwardly agreeing with the law. So the outward automatically flows. So we need to understand strongholds, how powerful strongholds are. And that's why the battle is in the mind. In the mind. Primarily in the mind. There, in mind I would mean your soul. You have. That's where the first thing God comes and says is in Romans 12 once, offer your bodies. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, it's the entire process. It's a continuous process, okay? You don't break strongholds in one day. It's Mm -hmm. a continuous process. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me ask you this thing. Uh, What is involved there? It's your will. It's your will. It's your will. You have to surrender your will to the will of God. We think it is the body. It is not the no, body. It is the will. will. Exactly. The will has soul. to be surrendered. Mm. So the will is in the soul. Okay. Yeah, ultimately, everything ultimately, is the surrender of the soul yeah. itself because it's the yeah. will. Yeah. Let me exp- uh, try to show it to you in terms of the Old Testament. I think it's first I can tell you is in uh, Deuteronomy 7, 22 and 23 and then Exodus uh, 23, 29, 30. Same thing actually. Deuteronomy 7, 22, 23. Or you can go to Exodus 23, 29. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once. Lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. If you go to Exodus 23, 29, 30, the same thing is repeated. I will not drive them out from before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. The principle of physical warfare for them is the same principle of spiritual warfare. God says, I will not give you liberty the kind you think about in one day or one year or two years. I will break down stronghold after stronghold, argument after argument. It was Charles Finney who who said, if God were to reveal the actual nature of the human heart, a man would not be able to survive. It will be too traumatic. If I were to know the actual state of my heart, I will die of shock because it's absolutely demonic. So God does not. He will just little by little by little by little by, he says, surrender your will, surrender your intellect and surrender your emotions. 
and I will renew you little. So little by little by little by little by little. That is by by one act. The word of God says we have been perfect, made perfect. Those who are being sanctified. Sanctification is a process. And sanctification is primarily a sanctification of the soul. It is the soul. The soul that is being sanctified. Your mind is being sanctified. Your will is being sanctified. Your emotions are being sanctified. And when these three get sanctified, the body will follow. Because the flesh is being put to death. The body is just a vessel. You can use it for the flesh or you can use it for the spirit. The body is not the main thing. So God says, just put your body to rest and I will renew your mind. So please don't get, nobody gets holy in one day. Nobody gets sanctified. Nobody wins this battle in one day. But you are in the process. And be sure you are in the process. And two, when you are defeated, don't give up. Don't give up. You cannot afford to give up. Get back and fight it again. Because God is with you and God is for you. So the picture is there. He tells it very clear to Israel. You will not win in one day. Or one week or one month or one year. Little by little. Otherwise what will happen is that if in one day we are liberated that in our mind we will not be able to handle that liberty. The wild beast will come in. Yes. You know what is the worst for the wild beast? Is pride will yeah. come in. Pride will come in. So God is protecting us. Pride will come in. Pride will come in. The worst of the, all the wild beasts will, will come in. One by one they will start coming in and they will take over. So God says little by little. Meaning, that is how armies advance. You know, armies will advance. They will get in. They will get a forward. They, they have a word for beachhead. They call it a beachhead. They get a beachhead, they make the camp over there, and little by little they go and they conquer. Because that's, if you are, if you remember the, the, the old famous, the last famous war America fought was in Iraq, Desert Storm. Still remember, he died. Norman, Norman Schwarzkopf, or whatever was his name, was a general in charge of, uh, Schwarzkopf was the one in charge. So if you ask him, uh, he will say, uh, if you ask a typical uh, general, if you ask them, they will say, I need this much time and I need this much soldiers and I need this much. He, they will ask you, what is that you want to do? Do you want to win the battle or occupy the land? If you just want to win the battle, this is a time frame, very fast. If you want me to occupy, I need manpower to hold. I need at least these many soldiers, this much equipment, this much resources to go in and hold the land. That's exactly what is God is saying. You will not be able to hold it. Not behold it. You don't have it in you to hold it. So I will give you increase little by little by little that every place of your mind you take it, secure it. Come in under subjection of the Holy Spirit, the word of God and then move to the next area. Bring it into total subjection. Move on, move on, move on, move on, move on so that one day we'll be able to say Galatians 2.20 like that man did. Example, I no longer love. It's it's interesting that you said yeah. it's until you have increased. Until you have increased. Mm. He says, you know what, you think mm. you are big. You are mm. not, you're just 600,000 people. Oh, you're very small. You cannot hold this land. The enemies are much new. There are seven nations over there. You are just one nation. Yeah. Okay, you cannot handle. Okay, so if you go to Galatians 2.20, mm. he didn't reach there in one day. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
It's replaced complete. We talked about what Christ has done, the exchange. We looked at identification. And now what has happened is, this is complete total identification. His life has been replaced by Christ's life. But it doesn't mean the next day you don't. He says, I die daily. I die daily. So anyone who is listening and the people who don't get discouraged or discondemned. This is a process. This Mm. is a process. Only thing that you see that you are in it. You are in this battle. You are not quitting. Like we say in English, your nose is headed in the right direction. That's what, if you go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, 37, 38, or 37, 38, or rather 38, 39. Okay? Yeah. For you have need of endurance. That is the most important thing in this battle. You need endurance. In this battle of faith, you need endurance. Because it's a long... This is not a 100 meter dash. This is a marathon. Mm. Not just a marathon, it's an obstacle race. Marathon with obstacles. You need endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. For yet a little while, who is coming will come and will not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in it. God says, don't draw back. Mm. Keep on, keep on moving, keep on moving, keep on conquering, keep on. No, one defeat does not mean, you may have lost the battle, but you haven't lost the war. Keep that in mind. Your Redeemer, my Redeemer, Jesus has already won the war. Your job is to mop up operation. That's what we call mop up operation. The war is over. We are not fighting the war. We can never fight the war, win the war. War is over. It has already been done in the heavenly realms by Jesus. Now we are fighting the battles. You have to fight the battles looking that you are not fighting for victory. Victory has already been accomplished. Then, now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, don't draw back. My soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 29, how come? How far? But we are not of those who draw back. You can draw back to perdition. We are not but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. That is the whole thing. Your salvation primarily is the saving of your soul. Your spirit has come alive because the Holy Spirit has come. Your soul has to be saved. You get a new body. Only that you have to maintain your body right now so that it can be maximum utility for the God. That's the whole thing. But this body is not going to be saved. It's the saving of your soul. So this is a battle. We are in it. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. Discouragement is one of the... Condemnation and discouragement are weapons of the enemy. Weapons of the enemy. And how do you overcome condemnation? By knowing that I am not condemned because he was condemned. It's it's a principle of law. You You cannot be punished for the same crime twice. You cannot be punished. You can only punish for it once. You cannot be punished for the same... So he was punished for my sins. So I will not be punished. I refuse to come under. I will come under conviction, but I will not come under condemnation. Because condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And he will gently convict us. He will never condemn us. He will never condemn us. So condemnation is from the devil and discouragement. And God will say in the book of Deuteronomy about that former generation to the second generation, it's a killer. Where he says you, you discouraged. What does he say that? You discouraged the hearts of the people. Hearts of the people. No, he says. Yeah. Mm. 
he, he tells about the in the book of Deuteronomy. It's a killer. I'm telling you, it will be a killer. Hmm. Uh, 128. 128. Deuteronomy 128. Okay. 128. Okay. What's there? What's there actually? There is a place now, why will you disgrace the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? This is the second generation. Okay? Mm-hmm. Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eskol, they saw the land. They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. You know, it was discouragement. They got discouraged. Unbelief and discouragement. The devil discourages. And it is our job to see that we, and that's why I said, no, that's one, one, one thing, you know, in Hebrews, uh, chapter, uh, uh, 10 and verse 25, if I can have it in NIV. Hebrews 10, 25. And people do not realize why is it so fundamental. Let's look. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage, encourage. one another. What does it mean? If you don't come, if you don't come to church, you are discouraging the others. Honestly, let me tell you, tomorrow is Sunday. If the church is only half full, you know what? People actually go discouraged, even if the message worship all was good, because other people have income. It discourages you because you are saying half the congregation doesn't believe the Lord is coming, and everybody says, "I'm, I believe." Now, one cold over there, one this thing over there. People don't come. Their priorities are completely different. And if you do not realize what the forefathers of Israel did, people still do it over and all it needs in USSA, Super Bowl or something, church will be empty. will be empty. And you actually discourage from the others who are on fire, the young one who's got saved, the new one who's got saved, doesn't have much understanding, who's jealous for the Lord, that one comes to church and you look around, all the older ones are not there. They get discouraged. Why should I go to church all the time if they can be believers without going? You know, you discourage them in their battle of faith. That's why no man is an island. We are responsible for each other. My very presence, a believer's very presence, even if you're doing nothing, by just being there in church and worshipping and being part of fellowshipping and with that community, you encourage a weaker believer. That's what the Bible is saying. And people don't understand how important church is. How important church is. It is important. Because no man, we are all parts of the same body. And when you are there in a local church, you have to be there, part of that local church. And don't make any excuses. When you make an excuses, you know what? Your indictment in eternity will be the same as the forefathers of Israel. Your forefathers discourage the next generation. These ten people came and discouraged and therefore they did not enter. So we need to realize, you know, we are accountable. You may you may think, I may think, you know what, okay, I don't need, need to go to church today. I can handle it. The problem is not whether you can handle it. Somebody else can handle it. Somebody else can handle it. Because you know what, you cause 
a weaker brother to fall. Because he will say, all the elders don't come regularly. So I also know. But you don't realize, this boy or this girl needs to come. He's a new believer. He needs to come regularly. Regularly. And your very presence is actually encouraging. He looks back and he comes and says, Anna, how long were you? How long have you been saved? Oh, I have been saved for 30 years. And you come every Sunday. I miss no meeting. Then you'll think, okay, if he needs to come every to be, how much more need I need to come? And when you don't go, you discourage others. And condemnation and discouragement are devil's weapons. He, one whole generation did not enter into the promised land because they were discouraged. So God says, don't encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. No? And that is David. That's that in, in interesting word in First Samuel 36 when everybody was discouraged and depressed. David encouraged himself. And then he sought the Lord. The Lord spoke to him. He encouraged the others and they win the battle. Encouragement is important. And that's what you have to do. Even if nobody is there to encourage you, encourage yourself. That is why he was a man after God's own art. You don't list his sins. You list his accomplishments. <laughs> yep. Pastor Vijay will stop there. Yes, those are too many. Too yeah, difficult. too many, very difficult. This, a lot of theological questions, okay? So please remember, discouragement is a stronghold. Depression is a stronghold. Anger, uncontrolled anger is a stronghold. Laziness is a stronghold. Sloth is a stronghold. Complacency is a stronghold. Procrastination, Procrastination is a stronghold. stronghold. Yes. Okay? <laughs> Perfectionism is a stronghold. <laughs> it's a stronghold. Okay. You know, so when God says being perfect, it is in attitudes. Okay, be very careful. We have to be very careful about that, that how we deal with children. Always give them room for error. Okay. Otherwise, you know, we will be we will uh, destroy their this thing. We have to be very careful about that. You know? Tell them to be blameless. Teach them, teach people to be blameless and not to be perfect. Not, sorry, not to be sinless. Because if you tell them that you have to be sinless, they will come under condemnation every time they sin. Even John, the gentle prophet, writes, I write to you this so that you do not sin. First John 2, 1. But if you sin, if you sin, I write to you. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, you have an advocate who speaks for you. Don't, don't worry about the accuser. Think about your advocate. Don't keep your mind on the accuser. Keep your mind on the accuser. He speaks to the Father in our defense. Who is that? Jesus, the righteous one. Basically what he's talking about. Why did he bring the righteous one over there? Don't depend on your righteousness. Depend upon his righteousness. You're not going to make it to heaven because you're righteous. You're going to heaven because he's righteous. Amen. And you're hidden in him. Okay, so handle all these things, discouragement, condemnation, no, all these things handle and remember, the war has been won, now join the battle. Mm-hmm. Keep fighting it. Don't give up. Like, like, what was his name? The UK president during, uh, Churchill. Prime Minister. Churchill. Churchill. Yeah, Churchill said, never, 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 never give, give up. Because <laughs> God is for you. God is with you. Never give up. Shall we pray? Yes. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. 
we thank you father we don't have to win this war we just have to fight our battles for you have won the war you triumphed over the enemy you made a public spectacle of him you disarmed him of all his weapons lord we will not succumb to the enemy's weapon of condemnation we will not succumb to the enemy's weapon of discouragement oh father because you disarmed him he's a deceiver yes yes he's a deceiver who is that who condemns the word of god says for it is christ who justifies yes father oh father we just want to thank you anyone who is hearing today lord who is under condemnation i bind that spirit of condemnation and i command you to leave and i pray father they will open up their mouths and speak they will speak that i am a child of god yes i was bought by the blood of jesus, jesus. i was cleansed by the blood mm. of jesus i was justified by the, the blood, blood of jesus. jesus i was redeemed by the blood of jesus i was sanctified by the blood of jesus devil the blood of jesus is against you that i pray will be our testimony lord thank you thank you father for it is written they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony lord we will testify what the blood does for us every moment of our life for the word of god says the blood of jesus speaks for us in the heavenly lord we will allow the blood to speak and we will testify what the blood says and what the blood does for us lord thank you thank you thank you father thank you lord i speak your peace i speak your rest upon everyone lord thank you lord help us tomorrow to gather in your house with joy with thanksgiving with praise and worship you for who you are oh lord thank you thank you lord thank you we praise you we worship you we glorify you for in jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen. amen.